You're listening to the AISTS Master of Sports Administration podcast, created by Dr. Boris Gojanovich as part of the program Sports Medicine Module. In this series, we attempt to discover, understand, and debate the important issues in the world of sports medicine. The girl to my right is the one and only Annie O'Shea. And I am Jeff Aylern. We only have a few minutes, so let's get down to action. Over the course of the show, we will focus on the latest trends in athlete health and performance. We are on the air live from Lausanne, Switzerland today, 12 o'clock Central Europe time, 11 Greenwich Mean Time, and everywhere on YouTube. Thanks, Jeff, and welcome back, listeners. Last week on our show, we touched upon the dangers of gluten-free snacks for high-altitude training. Today, our focus will be on mental health. Now, mental health is a big subject that we could explore for days. Please, let's not. We're going to specifically focus on the fairly new player in the mental health of athletes, social media. Right, right. Social media started with Facebook, but now we're seeing a growing popularity on other platforms like Twitter and Instagram. The most recent stats have 1.5 billion worldwide users of Facebook, 304 million active Twitter users, and 300 million active Instagram users. Naturally, athletes are part of these numbers as well. You know, there are many dimensions involved with athletes being a part of social media. Athletes can use social media to showcase their training, connect with their fans, and promote business opportunities. Personally, I follow many of my favorite athletes on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And over the past few years, we've really seen the development of social media marketing. With astonishing figures like 84.3 million Facebook followers for Cristiano Ronaldo and 57 million fans for Messi, who would not want to work with these guys? That, my friend, is the point. These stars are now pressured for business purposes, and albeit personal preferences or ego, to join social media. Now we reach our topic of the day. How can this constant exposure and connectivity affect their mental health and eventually their performance as athletes? My summer intern, Haley Rohit, just passed over some research about depression and anxiety within athletes. Athletes, specifically student-athletes, can report signs of depression or anxiety based on the stress and pressure of competing and training daily or on a weekly basis. Furthermore, we find these athletes have the stigma or belief that their physical strength should also be transferred to their mental strength. The athletes do not want to feel weak and vulnerable by admitting to their mental health issues. In a 2014 survey in the U.S., data on 7,000 students, both athlete and non-athletes, Only 10% of the athletes use mental health services as compared to 30% of students overall. In fact, the NCAA has stepped in with a manual on how to recognize and treat signs of anxiety within student-athlete populations. With athletes less likely to ask for professional help, they are likely to fall victim to the attacks on social media. If you're just tuning in, Jeff and I are on the topic of social media's effect on mental health of athletes. And as we mentioned earlier in the show, being an athlete is associated with tough mental fortitude, yet they are still vulnerable to social media attacks. There are three examples I can think of at the top of my head where athletes have been involved in such circumstances. Canadian tennis player Rebecca Marino, who cut her career short because of online abuse. British speed skater Elise Christie, who was harassed on social media during Sochi, which led to the deletion of her accounts. And Cameroon football player Joseph Marie Melania, who also got rid of his account um, for being attacked by his age and his appearance. Now, there's a term for all this, and we call this term cyberbullying. 
The Cyberbullying Research Center defines it as an aggressive, intentional attack carried out by a group or an individual using electronic forms of communication, contact, and repeatedly attacking the victim who cannot easily defend themselves. What I can see is clearly evident within these three examples all that we can determine depression, insecurity, and anxiety are all developed or increased through social media usage, ultimately affecting the performance of the athlete in some dimension. As we saw with tennis player Rebecca Marino, who reached her highest level of 38th worldwide rank. In 2013, when announcing her retirement, she openly stated that she had battled with depression for six years, and the constant barrage of fans saying, go die, go burn in hell, or yelling at her brought back and increased her depression. It's sickening to think of the audacity some people will have when they post online. And if we think of the symptoms of depression, like feeling of hopelessness, loss of energy, loss of interest in daily activity, concentration problems, all these things are amplified by the negative com comments on the internet. Now this is truly monstrous, but studies show that many times athletes still do not remove their accounts, unlike Rebecca, if negative things are being said about them. In fact, they continue to refresh the feed. Now listen, we're dealing with full-grown adults here that are capable of making the decision of whether or not they should involve themselves with these types of people on social media. But I am wrong to be concerned for them? I think when we look at the life of a professional athlete overall, with the practices, traveling, games, the last thing they need is getting involved with these so-called couch experts. They typically, the couch experts typically have no real knowledge of the game, but whose opinion is directly affecting the athlete, which will put potentially pile up and weigh on the athlete's mind. But I think the thing that gets consistently forgotten is that these players are young and don't always have common sense, not because they're not smart, but because no one has ever really sat them down and laid out the effects that these couch experts can play on their sports. So what do you think the true effect of, is of these distractions on the athlete's mental state? I mean, media and fan scrutiny has been around forever. There shouldn't be anything new to them. Not on this level, though. I mean, when you're written about in the newspaper or seen on the morning news is one thing, but for an athlete to be consistently bombarded 24-7 with, mes with messages in the comfort of their own home is something completely different and wrong and needs to be changed. Even if the majority of the athletes do not say anything, how can they truthfully say they are not affected by it? Look, I play soccer every Sunday. Any good? You know, the kid that always gets picked last in gym, well, I get picked after them. But if I ever heard the trash talking I hear from other teams and people at the game after I leave the arena, I think I'd go crazy. Let me jump in there for a second, Annie, and get back to Rebecca. Can you imagine her trying at 22? 22! I feel disgusted not only as a fan, but more so as a human being. Rebecca was only a teenager when she started playing professionally. How can a person be so openly insensitive towards someone on social media, playing at such a high level and at that age? I bet anyone making those negative comments about her would get crushed trying to do what she did. She almost beat Venus, Venus Williams, for goodness sake, who was ranked number four in the world. Venus Williams, but c'est la vie, right? But what can we do? Should someone step in and say, hey, you shouldn't be doing this? Where do we draw the line between athletes' personal and business lives? And who should this someone be? If we, took, if we look at the leagues and association in which these athletes play under, I think the quick fix would be to implement a system that will help restrict their usage on social media. Some leagues like the NBA currently have done this and have implemented a couple hours before and after games, as these times can be most emotional for players. For a quick fix, yes, but this really needs to be looked at as a long-term project. 
Leagues and universities need to be the parents in these situations and think about introducing educational programs that can be taught to athletes to prepare them and teach them how to deal with public scrutiny. I totally agree, Annie, but let's be realistic. No matter what we, can, we tell an athlete to do, they will always go on social media and always look at those negative tweets or comments. It's inevitable. But if we can make them understand that they are a marketable product and the way they convey themselves online can not only affect their mental health, but but affect their potential salary earnings, then you will have their attention. So if such an educational program were to be used in leagues and schools to combat social media issues, such as cyberbullying, what would be the elements of it? Players will listen, trust teammates, and other players more so than the leagues. Plus, they hear things and see things that leagues will not and can intervene to help each other out. With that being said, player unions should look to create a program whereby they identify the most influential players within the league or university and give them the tools to act as mentors to their peers. So sort of like an ambassador program. Exactly. These alpha leaders will be selected under specific criteria of having a strong position and influence among their teammates, good communication skills, and have a history of leadership ability. Right. Okay. So it would be similar to high school when the popular kids determine what's cool and what's not. In a, in a way, yes. The leaders would participate in an interactive training course prior to the season with several other selected members and taught skills to resolve conflicts, diffuse incidents, and support their peers all through social media, with smaller group meetings within the season to ensure knowledge is up to date. I mean, I think that could work. It's a sustainable year-round program that could help diffuse incidents in the moment as opposed to trying to resolve the conflict hours or days after the incident and damage has already occurred. If athletes can be at least provided with access to information, hotlines, and support groups, I feel we can begin to make a difference in helping them deal with the issues related to cyberbullying like depression and anxiety. It's, the end, it's not the end-all be-all, but it's a start. Well, that's it for us. Let us know what you think of what we discussed today. This is your show, folks. Tell us what you liked, what you didn't like, and we will do our best to accommodate you. Thanks for listening. If you've got questions or comments, share them directly on this track on the AISTS MSA SoundCloud page or visit us at www.aists.org.